Al Jazeera podcast. It was just like cat and mouse game running around. They had pans on their heads, pots on their heads, and they had cooking sticks that we were using to just heat the pans and just keep saying, we have no use for this. Immaculate Akello is a journalist who's been covering Kenya's ongoing protests since March. You want to get their voices, but then it becomes very dangerous because police are consistently shooting tear gas at them. And sometimes they also use bullets, live bullets, because we've seen a lot of people getting killed. The protests began as a response to accusations of voter fraud in last year's presidential election. But since then, they appear to have turned into a response to Kenya's economic problems. Kenyans are furious. The economy is in shambles and now a surge in taxes is adding to their woes. Police are brutally cracking down, but hundreds of arrests and dozens of killings haven't stopped the protests. So what would? I'm Malika Bilal and this is The Take. So let's start with an introduction. Where are you speaking to us from today? My name is Immaculate Akello. I'm a journalist. I'm based in Nairobi, Kenya. I'm also the General Secretary for Crime Journalists Association of Kenya. How did you find yourself on this story? I always cover protests here and any other kind of crime because the protests usually are characterized with a lot of violence in Kenya, especially protests by the opposition or just anti-government protests. And then just generally during protests, the country sort of stops. And so all the journalists are usually sent on this beat to cover protests during the protest deaths. And that's what Immaculate has been doing all week. As we're recording this episode on Friday, Kenya has been hit with sporadic protests. The opposition called for three days of protest, and Wednesday was the most chaotic for Immaculate. Wednesday was intense. It was really crazy because the eve of the protest, I was sent out to cover and just check the mood and talk to people and see who's going to go out and why were they going out if they intended to go out to the streets. But a lot of people said they were expecting that the government would reach out to the opposition. Mr. President, you promised them that you're going to help them, but you didn't. Taxes, they're not supposed to be abrupt. It's supposed to be gradually. You have an agreement, have dialogue, and call off the protest that had been planned. Because it was a three-day protest, and that meant that, you know, if the economy would stop for three days in the city, it would be too much for people. Tuesday night, there were towns that started protests even on the eve of the protest, on the eve of Wednesday, Tuesday evening. They had started burning bonfires on the road, they lit bonfires, they had blocked the traffic flow. And actually, motorists had to find alternative routes. And then by, by Wednesday morning, it was crazy. There were, when I got out first, the, the, the streets were really quiet. And then there was just security almost everywhere. You could see the cops in the anti-riot gear. Some of them even had the scarves that just left their eyes open. They were all covered up. And there were water canyons that was just moving around, you know. It was... It really felt 
really intense. The arrest of several opposition leaders led to a brief pause in the protests before people returned to the streets to demonstrate against the arrests as well. There were some members of parliament who were arrested. There was the speaker of the county assembly who was arrested. There were also just workers of the county assembly who were arrested mm. just before they addressed their supporters ahead of the rally. All the leaders, they don't usually come out. The tactic they use is that they like to surprise the police because all the protests that they've been holding have, has been termed illegal by the government. Interesting. So, Immaculate, Kenyans are in the streets to protest rapid economic changes, and they feel lied to. William Ruto has been president since last year, and he promised to cut taxes when he was campaigning. And instead, he's increased them. Ruto framed himself as a champion of impoverished hustlers, but a proposal to hike takes on petrol and housing has fueled a sharp backlash from residents. Can you talk about how people are feeling about that and why that happened? The selling point of the president when he was all through the campaigns was that he was a hustler and he kept telling his supporters that he also comes from a very humble background and that he wanted to destroy all these dynasties that were also seeking power. I want to promise all the people of Kenya, whichever way they voted, that this will be their government. The cost of living was already going up. So when he came in and he said, you know, all these taxes, we don't need them. We, we, I'm going to do this in a hundred days when I get into the office. I'm going to lower the cost of living. You will see the prices of corn flour going down. But then in a hundred days, nothing had happened. And so the talk from the government was that we inherited empty coffers. There's nothing. The previous government looted everything. And so we're just starting from nothing and give us time. And then it was six months, and now it's nine months. Right now, the main issue and the main reason for the higher cost of living is that the, when this government came in, it removed some subsidies that were already in place for products like fuel and corn flour. But what has happened is that the situation has gotten worse, which has really angered the people. How else have people been feeling the economic crunch? Fuel taxes have also doubled. Has that affected people's lives? Yeah, it's crazy. Kenyans and oil marketers have expressed their concerns over what appears to be a looming fuel shortage in the country. Kenyans should expect higher prices at the pumps as a market regulator revises fuel prices to reflect the increase in value-added tax. The fuel tax was, you know, one outrageous one because it was increasing from 8% to 16%. Wow. The VAT, so it meant it was going to really get high. And that's not just it. There are other funds and other policies that the president has also just increased. Electricity tariffs have got up by about 63%. And just recently, the authority that deals with that said they're going to increase it even further. Immaculate, people are angry at President Ruto for ending the gas subsidy. But it is also true that these programs are in need of reform because Kenya's economic situation is pretty precarious. And blanket subsidies like the ones Kenya had for fuel often benefit mostly the rich in a country with people who are also majority not rich. <laughs> How do people make sense of that, that these things were needed? I mean, a lot of citizens were really disgruntled by the removal of the subsidies. But 
we were, you know, consoled by the fact that it was going to, you know, end the corruption, just like you say, because we knew and it had even been brought to the attention about the eight billion that could not be accounted for, that it just enriched a few people, like you're saying. The money that Immaculate's referring to was a subsidy on corn flour, an everyday staple food for Kenyans. And between the government and the flour suppliers, no one seems to be able to figure out where it went. The government released eight billion Kenyan shillings to pay the suppliers of this corn flour, but then it never got to them. So the suppliers came out like, we, we haven't been paid. We have been giving you people, you know, flour, but we need to be paid. We haven't been paid since the last government. But according to a, the government record, they had been paid. So this money could just not be accounted for. Wow. These protests also have a political component to them. The opposition leader, Raila Odinga, says that the election was stolen. Kenya's election results have led to accusations of vote rigging and clashes uh, broke out just before those results were announced. The outgoing deputy president has won a narrow victory over his rival, Raila Odinga. Is there any truth to this? And did you see people when you went out to the protests who were protesting on that issue? The first time I spoke to people, they were also talking about electoral reforms that needed to be done because they didn't believe that the the president Ruto was elected, was legitimately elected. But the main concern for most people who were out in the streets was the high cost of living. One protester, William Musambi, agrees, saying this protest is not about Odenga. My views of the demonstration? People say it's about Raila Odinga, but it's not about Raila. Kenyans are personally defending themselves, arguing against the imposed taxes we don't understand. The salary you are paid against what you are spending, there is nothing important you can do for yourself as a human being. Immaculate said that she also feels like politicians are trying to capitalize on popular anger. From what we have seen, all the protests that have been there even in the previous years, if we as the citizens actually think that we are the ones who are being put at the forefront in this, I I don't think that's true. I think we are somewhere really low in the pecking order. It's more of the interests of these politicians first. After the break, where the protests could go from here. The Inside Story podcast dissects, analyzes, and helps define major global stories. We get into the details with experts who explain how policies affect people. The Inside Story podcast by Al Jazeera. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's talk about Raila Odinga. He is a businessman, a politician, a former prime minister of Kenya, and he's made several unsuccessful bids for the presidency. How many times has he run? Raila Odinga has met, I think, at least five attempts at the you know, top seat. He's tried to be president at least five times. Wow. Yeah, he's kind of just been making jokes about that. And, and so for five times, there are times that a lot of people actually believe, in fact, the time when he became the prime minister, a lot of people believe that he actually won the elections. That was in 2007, 2008, when Kenya really had a very bad post-election violence. 
I think it's also true that there have been electoral injustices and even against Raila Odinga. But this previous one, it's really very difficult to state if he actually there was an electoral injustice or not, but he took the case to the Supreme Court and it was litigated and the Supreme Court ruled that there was no malpractice and that Ruto was actually legitimately elected. Originally, he went out because he said that the elections had been stolen. Now, Odinga has in fact led a series of protests earlier this year against the high cost of living and the alleged election irregularities. The Supreme Court ruled that there was no malpractice and that President Ruto had been elected legitimately. So then, that's when he started calling for the protests. Fears of fresh unrest in Kenya ahead of major protests against the government led by the opposition leader, Raila Odinga. So he went quiet for a while, and then when he came out, he said that they were not agreeing with the ruling, and he called on to his supporters not to recognize President Ruto's government. Then he started having you know, public rallies, different places in Kenya, that culminated to the first demonstrations in March 20th. So what, what happened is that after the protest started, the cost of living was part of that. Immaculate, what has it been like to cover these protests as a journalist? What have you seen? It's really crazy. Sometimes you don't know which side to be on because sometimes you want to be on the side of the protesters, sometimes you want to be on the side of the security personnel. But because you want to talk to the protesters and ask them why they are out there. Amnesty International today just released figure of 30 people have been killed since these protests began. So it's it's very difficult. So like yesterday I decided to go to the side of the police and I got hit with a stone. Oh. I almost felt like the intestines were coming mm. out. I thought I got hurt, but I wasn't. I'm sorry to hear that, though. It was a stone presumably meant for the police? Yes, it's usually the police, so the, the protesters will be pelting stones at the police. Several instances of scuffles with the police being reported. Tear gas was fired on the protesters as they defied a police ban to join the demonstrations. At one point where I was in Kibra, the police ran out of tear gas. And so they were just, they kept retreating, you know, retreating and calling for backup. They just kept moving back, moving back, because the protesters, they, they are so seasoned now that they, when the police shoot the, the, the tear gas canisters at them, they just throw it back at the police. So you're just constantly, the eyes are red, swollen, because you, you always eat choking on the tear gas. It was, it's, it's crazy. I'm sorry. You said you've seen someone who was killed, is that right? Yeah, um, so in Madale, where I, I also went to that's an informal seminar just at the outskirts of Nairobi, there was somebody who had been shot. He must have been on the chest. And he had just been left there because protesters now took off after the police started shooting. At first, I thought that person probably was drunk and he just fell down. But when you move closer, you see there's blood. And to just know, yeah, this must have been. It's unfortunate because we tried to get even the number of people that had been killed. I tried to reach out to the cops, you know, just to try and get the figures. But as I, we, we don't know if there are any killings or oh, we've had that, but we're not confirmed. We can't tell who killed these people. But these people have bullet wounds. And there was a video of a child who had been shot on the leg. Mm. There was a small boy. It was like a 10-year-old boy. 
I had been shot on the leg and he was just crying there and the mm. mother was waiting. He was just like, come and kill all of us then, if that's what you want to do. Oh. And are police the only ones with guns? Yes, the police are the ones, the only ones with the guns, unless it's criminals, which we really can tell. But it was the police who had the guns. The protesters had stones. Finally, Immaculate, what do you expect to happen in the coming days? in the coming months? There, there, there have been a lot of calls for dialogue. Today, I saw most of the papers had just saved the country. It was just a plea to save the country after what happened. And then there's just tension. There's extreme tension when these protests are happening because you really don't know what to expect. And criminals also use this protest to, you know, just get into people's home, break into people's home and still loot and rape people. But the president said you can protest for a whole year. That's what he said yesterday. But it's not going to bring down the cost of living. It's just a show of I don't care. I mean, what I'm doing is what I'm doing. So we really don't know what will happen because I'm sure the opposition probably just keep calling on for the protest. And I think when people really get tired enough of everything, then we might see a change. Just maybe not. And that's The Take. We'll be back tomorrow with guest host Kevin Hurden. This episode was produced by David Enders and Chloe K. Lee, with Zaina Bazar, Sonia Bagat, Berenice Campana, Miranda Lynn, Amy Walters, Khaled Sultan, Ashish Malhotra, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. <laughs>